<laughs> so it sounds to me like you're going to have to have some more kids. <laughs> oh, I think my uterus just cried when you said that. I don't think so. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. A lot of times people ask us, well, how do we handle things like when significant other's not here and I'm with their kids? And we say house rules and consequences. It has to be agreed upon house rules and consequences. And your significant other has to share this with their kids and say, these are the house rules, not my rules, not stepmom's rules. These are the house rules. And these are the consequences for breaking those rules. And when the significant other goes to leave, they remind the kids, hey, little Johnny and little Susie, remember, while I'm gone, I've asked stepmom to make sure that you follow the house rules and enforce the consequences if you break those rules. Now, we will tell you if it's possible to wait and let their dad delve out the consequences. Because remember, a major part of nachoing is removing the target off your back. If you're constantly taking the kid's phone, if that's one of the consequences, you're not really removing the target from your back. Yeah, you're being part of the negative interaction. Right. And if you have to delve out the consequences, it needs to be, remember, your dad said, da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. Okay. I bring this up because we see this a lot. The bio parent will say, little Johnny, you're on restriction for spitting in little Susie's face. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, you're on restriction for a week. Then two days later, the kid's over there playing his iPad. And did dad forget that little Johnny was on restriction? Mm, probably not. Nope. He thought it was enough punishment and it was time to release him. Or he just didn't want to have to deal with it. All right. He got out on early. He got early for good behavior. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we do. We see this a lot. So when you make the, when you and your significant other make the house rules and consequences, it has to be something that the bio parent is comfortable with enforcing. Yep. If, if you think it has to be a week and you know that the bio parent's only going to support two days of it, Stick to two days. Yeah, just make it two days. Yep, just make, make it, it something two days. you can enforce versus something that may or may not be enforced. Right, because you don't want it to be a week, and then every time little Johnny gets out for good behavior four days early or something like that. Well, the other thing too is if I get my kids every other week, I mean, if I punish them at any point during that week, that means that they're punished for the entire time they're with me. Okay, well, let's address that. What about the bio parents that only get their kids every other weekend. Mm -hmm. Even harder. I mean, they really can't put the kid on restriction for a week. They can't even really do it for two days. And more than likely, they're not going to do it for any amount of time because they only have 48 hours with their kid. Yep. I mean, they can enforce things like, you know, I'm going to put you on restriction for two weeks, but it's going to be the two times that you know, they're with them. Still only going to be four days. Yeah. It's not going to be effective. No. And you know that guilt's going to kick in. Yeah. Because you've seen them, you know, you put, you punish them one week. It's two weeks later when you finally see them again. Dude, you're, you're like, it's so far away from what happened at that point. It's, it's pointless. Right. 
And I remember somebody saying, when you punish your child, make it for a reasonable time frame. It doesn't have to be a week. It could be two days. It doesn't have to be, well, you're grounded for a month because that gives the child no initiative to really do better for that month. Right. There's no way for them to earn less time. Right. But you don't want them to be able to earn less time, but you want to be realistic with the time frame. I'm not I'm not opposed to them earning less time. I think that if if they know, for example, they're going to be punished for three days, but there's things you can do to lessen that punishment, I'm not opposed to that. Because, you know, like you said, if they know they're going to pun- punish for three days, then there's really no initiative to do anything. You're just waiting out your punishment. Right. And being a, you know, a pain the whole time. Yeah. But I mean, you know, putting your kid on restriction for a month is really a lot of time, especially considering that most people don't stay in jail that long for stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's but, true. But yeah, but it, it all boils down to it has to be something that's extremely reasonable. And it has to be reasonable to the bio parent, not to the step parent. Yes. Because, you know, if I come up and say, I'm punishing my kid, if he does X, Y, Z, I'm punishing him for a day. And then the step parent's like, well, if my kid does that, I'm punishing him for four days. Okay. I'm not punishing mine for four days. So have at it. Right. Okay, and let's talk about this a second. Say that the stepmom has little Johnny and little Susie because dad's at work. And part of the agreed upon consequences was one of the kids would lose their phone for 24 hours. Okay. Mm -hmm. The stepmom enforces that consequence. Dad comes home and dad says, eh, she can have her phone or he can have his phone. Mm -hmm. And the stepmom's like, what? What? We have agreed upon house rules and consequences. You weakling of a man, you can't even stay with that. <laughs> no, honey, it's his kids. He gets to decide what he's going to do as far as punishment. Now, granted, you don't want it to seem like he's not backing you up because that's how it's going to come across. So this would tell you, you know, it's better to let dad de- delve out the consequences. Yeah, because if it's going to stress you out and put you in a bad mood and all this stuff, then you know what? Next time it happens, say, okay, Dad, just want to let you know X, Y, Z happened. When you get home, you can handle it however you see fit. Right, and you can tell the kids, you know, you broke the rule. When your dad gets home, I'm going to have to tell him, and he'll delve out the consequences. Yeah. You know, and I- you can still separate the kids. I mean, if the kids are sitting there fighting with each other, and I mean, to the extreme where somebody's getting ready to get hurt, you can say, look, y'all need to each go to different parts of the house and then let dad deal with it. Yeah. If he chooses to or how he chooses mm, to. Right. And don't call him every 15 minutes on the phone. And don't send him pictures of the trash on the floor beside the <laughs> trash can. Leave it know, till he gets home and show it to him. Yeah. But even then you got, because here's the rub. It's like if every time I walk in the door, I'm getting a status report of what my kids did wrong. It's not going to take me long before I'm going to be like, you know what? I don't want to hear your mouth when I walk in the door, honey. And that sounds ugly. I know it sounds ugly, but that's what you're doing is you're setting a precedence that every time I walk in the door, I'm getting hit with all these things that are negative. My kids did wrong, whatever. I walk into the door. I'm like, dude, I want to see my kids. I want to see my wife or my girlfriend, whatever she is. I want all this stuff to be good. I'm finally home. Instead, I'm walking in, getting slapped in the face with all this stuff that is bad and it's negative and I've got to deal with it right away. And what are you going to do? And blah, blah, blah. I mean, you see, one, it's going to make him stressed out to even come home. And two, it's going to be at some point he's going to say, you know what? This is not working. 
and we're not going to do this anymore. All right. Here's my suggestion. You ready? Mm-hmm. Pretend I'm a babysitter and you come in after I babysat your kids and you said, thanks. You know, how do things go? If your baby, if your babysitter says, well, little Johnny's the worst young and I've ever seen. He don't listen to nobody. Da 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 da. And little Susie's a little princess brat, and <laughs> I can't stand her. And she's always whining and moaning and crying. And do you think he's going to hire you to be a babysitter again? Nope. You know, sometimes they don't need to hear every detail of what their kid did wrong. You could just simply say, "Well, you know, they they had a few moments that they were arguing, but." Other than that, they were good. Yeah. You don't want the things that the stepkids are doing that are oftentimes just natural kid stuff. You don't want that to get between you and your relationship with your significant other. And remember, your perspective of their behavior is completely different than their dad's or their bio parents. Yep. So for David, the kids jumping on the couch, that was normal. Mm-hmm. For me, that's a eh uh-uh. So if I complain to David about the kids jumping on the couch, he's going to be like, okay, well. Yeah, what's the problem? Yeah. So just remember, kick into nanny mode. And I know some of you are going to get offended. I'm not a nanny. Well, you need to figure out how to mentally be one. Yeah, but you're not their parent either. Right. So if you're not the stepkid's parent, you're not. And what are you? What are you to them? You're their dad's wife or girlfriend or whatever. But what are you to them? A caregiver. Exactly. Most of the time, yes. Which translates to nanny. (laughs) I'm their stepmom. It has mom in it. Yeah. (sighs) Whatever. Well, (laughs) one of the reasons I bring this up is because our guest today, Princess Lauren. Uh, Really? She wants to be called Princess Lauren? Yeah. Really? (laughs) She said something about her being a princess. I said, we were going to call you Princess Lauren. This is funny. Yeah. So Princess Lauren went in. And was over-involved in the beginning. It made the bio mom mad, the step-kids mad. And step-mom had told the stepdaughter if she didn't get her grades up, she wouldn't go to summer camp. Uh-oh. Guess what happened? She went to summer camp anyway. That's right. <laughs> I saw that coming a mile away. Yep. Who are you as a stepmom to tell my kid that she's going to go to summer camp or not? Right. So what was the result? Stepmom's now mad at her husband because mm-hmm. he didn't enforce the kid not going to camp. Right. Whereas if stepmom would have just stepped back, guess what? She'd be a hunky dory. Yep. She'd have been so hunky dory her name should have been Lori. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So y'all get to listening to Princess Lauren. All right. But well, before we do, let's talk about the Nacho Kids Academy. Cause that's how we teach you to deal with this stuff. And it's awesome. And I'm not just saying that because we created it. It's the truth. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship. And it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Today, we have the stepmom, Lauren, from Texas. How are you, Lauren? 
I'm very well, thanks. How are y'all doing? We doing? Oh, she said y'all. I love it. <laughs> now, how do you spell y'all? Y apostrophe A L L. Yes. There you go. Why do people put Y A apostrophe L L? You know, I'm not sure. And I, I actually teach English as a second language. Um, I volunteer doing that to Spanish speaking. And you teach them um, y'all? People, and I did. I actually taught them y'all. Um, and they were they were really tickled by that. David, do it in your Mexican accent. Say y'all. What Mexican accent? You said you always have a Mexican accent, no matter what kind of accent you try to have. I don't know. Um, well, David, now I'm Mexican, so now I'm interested to hear your Mexican no, accent. No, it's, it's not something I can do on command. It's just like all of a sudden, <laughs> oh. I, I'm like, why do I sound like a Mexican all of a sudden? It's, <laughs> it's usually if I'm trying to do anything other than that. So, like, if I try to sound Russian, it sounds Mexican. If I try to sound Japanese, it sounds Mexican. <laughs> Okay, so Lauren, tell us about your blend. How long have you been blending? How many stepkids, bio kids, hours kids, neighbors kids, whatever? So my husband and I have been together about nine and a half years. We've been married almost eight. Um, He has a son who is almost 20. Um, He also has a daughter who is 15, and we have an hours child who is three. Oh, so you don't have any children of your own except for the hours daughter. The uh, the hours child is the only one I have. So how do the um, stepkids treat the hours child? I know it's only is it he? Uh, well, boy, we're we're just going to have to unpack some things. Um, <laughs> my my stepson, unfortunately, he was sixteen when um, our daughter was born, and he literally has only seen her for maybe five minutes of her life. Um, so he saw her when last time he saw her, she was about six weeks old Oh wow! and it was very briefly. And that was the last time, um, that he saw her and the 15 year old, it was, it was kind of rough for a while. Um, I think part of it was, you know, she'd never really been around small children before. So she really wasn't sure how to interact. Um, and then, you know, kind of for a little bit, there was some maltreatment going on that um, before I nachoed, I had to um, take care of. And uh, unfortunately, then my stepdaughter hasn't seen her sister in about nine months. So that's that's where we're at. Mm. So I take it the stepdaughter was not being very kind to the hours daughter? No, she was actually putting her hands on her <gasps> and, um, you know, pushing her or, you know, snatching her up very, you know, um, a lot stronger than you should a small child that, you know, doesn't really have control of their neck yet or, or things like that. So, um, you know, there was, there was definitely a, di- a dichotomy of how she was treating, um, you know, my daughter based on when I was there. And then when it was just, you know, her with, you know, my husband and, and her little sister, um, it was very different. You know, when my husband was around, she was great. You know, apparently she was very affectionate. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see that because when when I was home with the two girls, it was not really a loving relationship. I think she kind of, and I think I think it's that way with both kids at this point um, that they kind of view their little sister as a replacement, their replacement. And so I think it's been very hard for them to kind of accept. Mm-hmm. And um, I think with my stepson, that has been the issue with why he, um, you know, he has not come back over since his little sister was born. And, um, you know, with my stepdaughter, that, that's a whole other, you know, suitcase to unpack. But, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty tough. 
you know, I was really hoping that that would kind of be the glue that kind of helped us all blend together. And it, it, and unfortunately in our case, it made things worse. Well, let's go back eight years ago when, okay. you, when you got married. Stepson was about 12. Stepdaughter was about seven. How were things then? Things were actually really great. Um, I was about as involved as a stepmother could be. Um, you know, I was very loving relationship. The The kids came over for every um, period of, of visitation that they had with their father. Um, my husband is a police officer. So, you know, he worked most of the times when the kids came to visit. So I would take them to go do things. And, you know, we had a wonderful relationship. So I had no reason to, at that time, believe that things would ever get to the point where they are right now. And what type of visitation schedule was there in the beginning? Well, in Texas, we call it a standard possession order, which is the first, third, and fifth weekend of the month. Um, you know, every other holiday, 40, you know, 42 days in the summer. Um, you know, so so kind of standard. I mean, definitely not 50-50, but the, the, what we call the standard possession order. Standard possession order. <laughs> well, I work in family law, you know, by by hook or by crook, you know, that, that's, <laughs> that's what I do. I, this is what I talk about all day. So possession down here has a whole nother meaning. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you're in East Texas. So yeah, we, we, we probably have the same thing when we're talking about possession. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I, I guess if somebody had introduced you to the Nacho Kid stuff when you first got married, I, uh, you would probably say that is ridiculous. I don't understand why anybody needs this. <laughs> no, a- absolutely. I would have because at that time you could not have convinced me and, and I'm full disclosure, being honest, you could not convince me that I was not the better choice mm-hmm. of, of a mother figure. Um, and, you know, I was very proud of the fact that, you know, I did crafts with the kids and I took them places and I took them to summer camp and to church. And in reality, what I, I really kind of wore as my badge of honor was what really kind of did me in was my over-involvement. Um, because while they really enjoyed being showered with trips and places and experiences, they did not want my input whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when they were having problems in school, um, you know, and I would try to intervene with teachers and, you know, what can we do to bring the grades up? All that did was serve to make, you know, bio mom angry. And then, you know, bio mom would kind of, you know, get the kids stirred up and tell the kids it wasn't my place. And it just really just went downhill from there. And, and I wish that I had known better, but, you know, here we are. Um, yeah, I, I, I wish that I had known about Nacho eight years ago. It, things would have been very different. But like you said, if you'd have known about it eight years ago, you still would have been like, I don't need that crap. <clears throat> Probably. <laughs> yeah, I just I think that everybody in their in their in their step parenting journey kind of has to come to that point of this sucks. You know, this sucks. <laughs> and sometimes it doesn't it doesn't matter how good you are. Okay. It doesn't matter, you know. Um, you know, if you're farting rainbows, you know, you're not their mother. And, um, if you don't have a, a bio mom who has bought into your involvement in their child's life, it's none of it's going to matter. And all it's going to do is, is just serve to, to put a wedge in between, um, you and, and your stepchildren or even between you and your husband. 
and it can it can cause all kinds of problems. So I think everybody kind of has to come to that point of realization that I need to take a step back. And by taking a step back, it makes things better. Right. Now, at what point did you take a step back? Was it before the hour's daughter was born? Was were things fine up until that point? No, I I probably took a step back. I'm going to say two years ago. Um, and, and, you know, my husband and I have talked about this, so he, he, he fully understands what I'm doing, you know, why I've been doing it, but, you know, I was, I was really struggling with my stepdaughter and her grades and, you know, I tried everything from, you know, helping her with her homework when she came to visit and, um, you know, talking with the teachers because neither my husband nor his ex-wife were doing anything to kind of step in. And so here I am, you know, thinking I'm superwoman coming in to save the day, you know, I'm doing everything I can to, to try to, you know, help this, this, this young lady get her grades up. So I had basically drawn a line in the sand. What is the one thing I can do? Because nothing else was working, positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, nothing seemed to be working with, with, with my stepdaughter. And so what could get her grades up? And I knew that something was very valuable to her, which was summer camp. And so I said, if you don't get your grades up, and this was probably about four months out from summer camp, if you don't get your grades up to at least a C, you know, then, then there will be no camp. And, you know, I, in the years past, I had always paid for camp when my husband and I, our finances were separate. I was the one who drove her three and a half hours each way to this summer camp. And, um, you know, ultimately, you know, my, my stepdaughter did not bring her grades up. As a matter of fact, she failed for that six weeks. And I said, okay, then, you know, I'm really sorry, but you're not going to camp. And she looked me dead in the eye. She said, well, dad already said I could. (laughs) And I don't know why. I just, something clicked in my brain that, you know, I was resenting not having a voice and I was way too involved. And I mean, I I, I just felt rage because I felt invalidated and undermined. And I went, okay, my vows were to my husband. And I can either sit here and be angry at my husband because I don't like the way he's parenting his own daughter, or I can treat my husband like my husband and just, you know, let him by, you know, by whatever means he saw necessary to raise his child, you know, that's his child to either, you know, build up or, you know, let her turn into to whatever, um, that, that was his choice. And, uh, so Starting from there is when I took a step back that I realized, okay, I, I really don't have a voice here and um, I'm not even being supported by my own husband. And uh, that was, that was pretty eye opening for me. And that, that was what the line that was drawn in the sand was for me. Would you say that you felt like you had two different families that like, it's basically him and his kids are one family and then you and him are another family. You know, at this point, I do feel like it's two different families. Um, in the beginning, you know, we were all a family. Um, you know, if, if, if I was introducing, you know, anybody to my stepchildren, I would say, you know, these are my children. And, and I don't think in our, in, in our house, you know, a stepdaughter or stepson or stepmother is, is a bad word. And I know that there's a lot of stigma attached to those labels. Um, and, but we're not those people. I just kind of would feel the different situations and would either say, you know, Hey, these are my kids. Um, and, and they never, they almost look like they enjoyed it. They, they enjoyed me kind of considering them to be my children. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, like I said, once my daughter was born, I, I really feel like a lot of that came from their mother. Um, you know, that, you know, things were actually going pretty well between me and their mother for about two years. You know, the first several years we were married, it wasn't so great. Um, you know, she did not want me involved at all. 
And then, you know, things went pretty well for about two years. And then it just kind of, when I got pregnant, that was kind of the, the slow down, you know, decline. And uh, I just really think that it created a loyalty bind because from what I understand, their mother had a miscarriage during my pregnancy. And I really think that they felt like by being excited about their little sister was going to cause their mother some pain. And so I think that that kind of changed things. And um, I think things were said to, to my, to my stepchildren about your dad's new family, you know, that kind of thing. And um, so at this point for, you know, just for, for self-preservation. So, you know, I don't wallow in pity and I can kind of help build my husband up. I, I do kind of have that, that delineation between, you know, my husband and his kids, and then, you know, my husband and me and our daughter. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of how I, I look at it at this point, but it didn't used to be that way. Now, how is it that they've not seen the three-year-old in so long? Do they not come over anymore? No, my stepson, you know, two weeks prior to my having my daughter, um, everything was great. And, um, you know, when, and, and mine was an induction and the, the day that the evening that I was induced, it was my husband's, you know, um, period of, of possession of his children. And I, I even told him, I'm like, yeah, go get the kids. You know, I, I want them to meet their little sister. And when my husband got back to the hospital, my stepdaughter was with him, but my stepson was not. And he said he didn't want to come. And so, um, two weeks later when it came time for them to come stay for spring break, I'll never forget. I was standing in, in the kitchen and my stepson walked in and he immediately started walking up the stairs. And I said, don't you want to come meet your little sister? And he said, no, I'm good. And so, um, he has not been back to our, our home since then. Um, we were in the same place at the same time and he saw his little sister kind of, kind of from across the room, but that was it. Um, and for my stepdaughter, um, she came for Christmas and essentially, you know, stayed and, you know, I thought we were having a great time, but the day after Christmas and she was supposed to stay, you know, with her dad for a few more days, she said she wanted to go back home to her mom and we haven't seen her since. Wow. So how does your husband yeah. handle all that? I think that he kind of vacillates between anger and grief because, you know, he, the, the, and I think that's kind of what, what kind of kicked off the nacho for me was he already lost his son. You know, his son quit coming over. His son quit having anything to do with him. And so he was basically doing whatever he could to not alienate his daughter. And, you know, hence, the, well, you know, I told her she could still go to camp because I, I want her to do something for fun. Um, and so now with, with his daughter, um, I think the reason, from, from what I understand, the reason that she doesn't come over anymore um, now, keep in mind, I've, I've, I've nachoed. I am, I am nacho supreme. So mm -hmm. I, I stay out of all of it. And, um, you know, for, you know, for a year before she quit coming over, you know, if she was asleep and she wasn't awake, you know, my daughter and I went off and did whatever it is that, that we were going to do. And, you know, if she was awake, I'd give her the option. If you want to go, this is where we're going. Um, but my stepdaughter and my husband apparently had, kind of a long story, but it revolves around braces and the cost of braces. And uh, my stepdaughter got very angry at my husband because her mother told her that my husband refused to pay for the braces, which was untrue. And um, so she said some pretty nasty, ugly things to my husband. And as a result, she didn't want to come back over anymore because she was afraid I was going to call her out on what she said. Mm. So, you know, which was kind of interesting because like I said, I was not so supreme, 
So I was staying out of it for quite some time at that point. So I, I kind of suspect that that was an excuse to not have to come over because she had a boyfriend where she lived. She lives about two hours away. Um, so, you know, I think that he grieves because he loves his, his, his two children and he doesn't understand. And then he's angry because, you know, they, they only contact him when they want money or they want something. And so he, he kind of bounces between those two. And I try to stay as neutral as I can and just try to, to build him up and kind of explain what they're going through. Cause I had a very high conflict mother. And uh, so I, so I kind of understand. And, you know, I've just told him that, you know, we may just have to let it go for a while until, you know, they're old enough to really understand. And cause trust me, there there's, I, I firmly believe that with all children, you know, regardless of the level of alienation, a day will come where they're going to know and they're going to have that moment of realization of I was lied to and I was fed a narrative and, you know, my dad really wasn't this way or my mom really wasn't this way or, you know, my step parent really wasn't this way. And, and I really, I really think that, you know, everything will come back together. It's just a, a how long is that going to take? And, you know, hopefully no damage will be done in the, in the meantime. Does he talk to the kids at all? Other than daddy, give us some money. Well, my, my stepson is in the army. So you know, he's, he's kind of, you know, off doing, doing, doing that. Um, and, you know, my stepson will, will talk to him. If my husband texts him, he will respond. Um, but my stepdaughter, you know, it just, it just kind of depends. It's usually she'll either only answer when, you know, or, or text him when, when there's money involved, whether you know, she wants money for something or, you know, whether it be braces or, you know, what she'll, she'll play nice as long as it takes to get what it is she wants. And then she'll, she will stop responding at that point. That's so sad. It is. Does your husband have any resentment toward you or the new baby at all? You know, and, and he's very um, self-aware, and I really don't think so. Um, you know, he's, he firmly believes that, you know, if he could do it all over again, that, you know, that he would have married me. Um, I, I, don't, I don't believe that he has any resentment against us because you know, such as we are, we, we, we bring joy to his life. And, you know, he also understands that it could have been anybody that he married and it would have been the exact same way. Right. You know, it did, it doesn't matter, you know, who it is. Um, you know, his ex-wife was angry. It, she would have been angry at whoever he married and, and his kids would have had that same loyalty bind no matter who he was with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, he, and he understands that. So no, I, I don't believe there's any resentment there at all. Well, that's good because you nor the the baby are the the problem. It's it's how the right. other kids are deciding to act or act out is the issue. So I'm I'm glad he's self aware enough to not uh, bring that out on uh, on you or the baby. Right. So, what other kind of issues do you feel like you're you're having to to deal with now that you're uh, so many years in and and now you have a new uh, hours kid? Well, you know, I, I came from a blended family. Um, I am one of a total of 14 children. And um, yeah, so I'm, I am third to the youngest. So usually I, you know, we're, 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 we're doing this over the air, but usually I have to draw a diagram to kind of explain the, the, um, the, the, the flow chart of, of parents and children. Uh But um, my dad was significantly older than my mother and my father was my mother's. Hang on a second, guys. I got to think. Third marriage. 
and my mother was my dad's second marriage. So, you know, my mom had four, like my dad had, I forget how many, and it just, you know, and then we had, my, my parents adopted too. So there were, there were a total of 14. I only remember at most eight being in the house. Um, so, you know, we range in age. I think my youngest sister is 33. My oldest brother is in his, I think he's 66, somewhere around there. So that's, yes, that's, that's the age, you know, disparity that we have with siblings. And, you know, my, my, I, I, I have a group of, of, you know, older half brothers and, and to me, they're not half to me. They're my brothers. I don't, I don't care about half, you know, whole, anything like that. Um, and there was a lot of resentment when my mother and their father divorced and then my mother remarried. They, they hated my father. And, you know, then they saw me and, and my younger siblings, and, and I have a sister who's a year older, that we, we got the best and they did not. And so, you know, when they were old enough to be out of the house, they took off and didn't look back. And so, you know, here I am at 40 years old and I still, you know, I'm kind of developing relationship with these older siblings that I didn't really get to know when I was younger. And I think for me, the, the hardest part is that my daughter is essentially an only child. And she is growing up without her brother and sister. And, you know, and, and I, and when, when things were actually, you know, okay, um, you know, I explained to my, to my stepchildren that, you know, ultimately all you're going to have are your siblings, you know, your parents are going to be gone. And you, when you find your new normal, you know, your siblings is, is really, that's going to be your core family. And you guys need to be there for, for her. And, you know, she, she's going to need to be there for you. And it boggles my mind that, you know, you have these two young people who have a little sister who is completely innocent in this situation and they want nothing to do with her. For me, that's the hardest part. Sounds to me like you would have more kids. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so it sounds to me like you're going to have to have some more kids. <laughs> oh, I think my uterus just cried when you said that. I don't think so. <laughs> No, 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 no. I mean, you know, I'm 40. Come on. I know it's 2019, but no, I mean, we, we were very blessed. Uh, it took us four years to conceive our daughter. And I mean, she was very much a miracle, but I just, oh, I don't think I could go through all that again. Um, you know, but, you know, and I do, I, I, I've had to kind of cut myself off and, and compartmentalize and basically just say, there's nothing I can say that's going to make any of this better. There's nothing that I can do to fix this because I'm a fixer, as, as are a lot of women. Um, we like to rescue situations. We like to make things better and fix it. But there's nothing that I can do. Right. And, and by me trying to step in and try to fix it and try to bring things together, it's going to make it worse. So I just have to kind of put my hands up and go, you know what, eventually, and, and then pray about it. That, mm -hmm. hey, that someday, you know, this will come back. And if it doesn't, that's going to have to be okay, too. Mm -hmm. You know, she's going to have, you know, extended family. And, you know, I have friends that I consider family and, you know, she will find her normal regardless of whether or not her siblings ever want to have anything to do with her in the future. But that's for me, my big struggle is, is just, you know, I, I worry about how it's going to hurt her. Um, you know, because I also, my dad had a, 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 um, a, a daughter that I never met. And she apparently wanted absolutely nothing to do with us because she was so angry at my father for leaving her mother. And, um, to the, you know, the day that she died, she died in her, I think she was about 53 when she passed away, never met us, never wanted to meet us. 
And, you know, even though I'd never met her, that stung because my mom told me she doesn't want to meet you guys. And I remember thinking, I didn't do anything. Why would she not want to meet me? I'm fabulous. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty interesting to know. Why would you not want to know me? Um, and I don't, I don't want my daughter to grow up that way. I don't want her to think that there's something wrong with her, that her own family doesn't want to have anything to do with her. So that, to me, is my biggest struggle in well, all of this. Otherwise, I have to kind of just compartmentalize it and move on. How many of your 13 siblings are you in contact with? Um, you know what? I'm going to say all of them, you know, just kind of to varying degrees. Um, I have, you know, two sisters, a sister who's a year older than me, and then I have a sister who's younger, who's adopted, who I kind of, you know, consider her my child. I mean, she's, you know, seven years younger, but, you know, I, I always felt like I kind of, you know, parented her. And you we probably we talk did. Weekly. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, you know, here, you know, you got a, a little Mexican girl running around with a blonde hair, blue eyed kid, you know, telling everybody this is my child. I don't think anybody bought it, but, um, you know, we're, we're very close. And then, you know, all my brothers that I was talking to you about, you know, we, we kind of sporadically text and, you know, we spend holidays together, but, you know, we're just not really needy talk to each other every week kind of relationship. We love each other, you know, and, and we would be there for each other in, in a second, but we just don't feel that need to talk all the time. Well, the reason I was asking is because I was wondering about their involvement with your daughter because she don't need two of them stepkids. She got all them aunts and uncles and cousins and... Well, you know, and, and she does, you know, thank the Lord, she has a ton of cousins, um, and, you know, and, and, you know, it's funny, our family went without children for so long. And then, you know, luckily on, on my side and my husband's side, she has cousins her age, you know, so she's, she's not going to be alone. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which is wonderful, but you know, you still, you kind of, I think as a, as a child, you always long for what you don't have. And, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to try to get her to concentrate on what she does have rather than what she doesn't have. There you go. That's really good. We should all do that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. 110%. Well, not 199%. <laughs> I agree. 200%. So how long has it been since your husband saw his kids? So my stepson, like I said, who's almost 20, um, I don't know, it's been at least a few years. Um, My stepdaughter, the last time that he saw her was when he delivered his, his, the check for his half of of her braces Um, because she had, you know, and I don't know, you know, obviously your, your listening audience is going to be far flung and kind of everywhere, but you know, kind of the standard in Texas is, you know, you get the first, third and fifth weekend, and then you get like a little two hour snippet visit in the middle of the week. And she had not exercised that dinner visit in quite some time. Um, and she was not responding to my husband at all. And, you know, she did reach out when she wanted that check for her braces. But didn't you say that she lived like a couple hours away? She does. She does. And that boy, that's a whole other ball of wax. Um, but you know, my husband allowed, you know, his ex-wife to move with their, with, with their two children two hours away, um, kind of over my objections. And if he's being honest, he'll tell you that I told him, don't do this. This is the beginning of the end. Because if you, if you, if you put physical distance between you and your children, they're going to be isolated. And, and that makes them prime targets for the alienation, you know, is already happening you know, when you only live five miles away. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's pretty sobering when you see the things that are being written about you, um, by, 
you know, their mother. And, um, you know, even as high conflict as my mother was, she never badmouthed, you know, our father to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there, there is a distance issue, but, you know, at the same time, we know he's never really forced her to come visit because number one, he's not going to be there because he, he works um, on the weekends. So I would be having to deal with her anger and her ire. And, you know, um, my, I'm, I'm a family law paralegal and, you know, my, my boss tells people all the time, a, you know, even a 12 year old has the power to destroy your marriage. If they see an opening or if they see a foothold, if they feel like they can drive that wedge, they're going to. And if they don't want to be in your home and you make them be in your home, they're going to do whatever it, it takes to make it to where you don't ever want them back in your home again. And my husband knows that. And, you know, he, he's, he doesn't push it because he knows what he can look forward to if, if he makes her come out here and he, he just doesn't want to deal with it. He loves her. He misses her, but he knows what she'll do if he, if he forces her to come. Well, how long ago did bio mom move them two hours away? Um, I would say that it was um, five months before my husband and I got married. So, you know, they had been divorced over a year um, when, when, she, when she moved. And um, it's, it's kind of a long story. But my, my husband, you know, there was a residency restriction in their divorce decree where, you know, she couldn't move beyond a contiguous county. But she met a man on the internet and, you know, she wanted to go move to be closer to him. And, you know, she got it. She even went so far as she got a job in that town. We, we kind of live on the close to the state line between Louisiana and Texas. And, um, you know, she even was driving, you know, to, to this other city every day, two hours each way. And uh, so, you know, eventually he, he acquiesced and he let her go. And, and take the kids, and he agreed to to let her move. And it's just, it's never been the same since. So that was before y'all got married? That was before we got married, yes. Okay, so the whole time you've been married, they've lived two hours away, and they would come? Uh, like first, third, and fifth weekend of, of each month, you know. Yeah, because there's no need to do the two hours during the week when you're two hours away. Yeah, and so, you know, you know he and his ex-wife kind of worked something out. So instead of doing that two hours every week, you know, every other week. So, you know, where, you know, but she agreed, you know, hey, I will drive the kids. You know, if you let me move, I will bring the kids, you know, to you to come visit. And then, you know, that lasted for a little bit. And then it came, you know, to, well, you know, maybe once, you know, a month, you know, she was finding a reason to not come. And then it turned to every other week. And then it turned to every week. And then it just, you know, it was just assumed that, you know, they weren't coming because, you know, she, she wouldn't bring them. And, you know, and then she started telling the kids, well, if your dad really loved you and if he really cared, he'd be driving the two hours to come take you to dinner. Mm-hmm. Well, that wasn't the arrangement. You you signed an affidavit stating that you would continue to bring the kids. But, you know, like I said, you know, and, and you know, with, with, you know, like the way that my mother was, and this is what I've had to tell my husband, unfortunately, you know, when you have children that their loyalty is being divided and you have one high conflict parent that's basically forcing them to drink what they're, what they're being given, they have two options. They can either spit it out or swallow it. Mm-hmm. And it takes an extremely strong child to spit out what their parent is feeding them um, because they have to deal with the aftermath and the blowback of, of rejecting what this person's telling them. 
And, you know, and then some can hold out longer. And I was really proud of my stepdaughter for holding out as long as she did, but eventually she had to swallow it. Um, and, you know, and, and I really didn't think that we, you know, we would get this, get this way with her, but we did. And, and we are where we are. But you don't have the time with her to um, make her think twice about what she's being fed or to give her the antidote. Well, you know, that was kind of the way that I operated when I was super involved was, you know what, we're not ever going to say anything negative about, you know, their mother. They're going to, we're going to show her by our actions, you know, what, you know, what kind of people we are, you know, surely, you know, they're going to see the difference between what they're being told and what they're actually witnessing. And I think it works for a while, but like I said, eventually they either have to swallow it or spit it out. And, um, you know, and, and even working in family law, and this is what I tell our clients all the time is, especially when you have a high conflict parent, you know, if you don't swallow that narrative, there's hell to pay at home and it's just not worth it. And, you know, usually the parent being alienated, they kind of view as the strong parent. So, you know, not talking to their dad, I think they kind of know at the back of their minds, their dad's always going to be there because their dad's strong and their dad can live without them, but they know their mother can't. Okay. And, 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 you know, I, I do think that, you know, all kids kind of, you know, view one parent as being stronger than the other. And, um, I think, I think that that has a lot to do with it, but, you know, that, that was the, the, the assumption that I operated under is, you know, we're just, we're going to take the high road and they're going to see it. And, Maybe they did see it and they're just not acknowledging it, but I, I just personally have not seen that come to fruition at all. Right. And you had said that you've never seen it be beneficial when the stepkids are made to come for visitation. So I guess that's why your husband never tried to force them to come or especially the stepdaughter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and we, we had a recent um, episode that I actually put up in the group. Um, where, you know, I kind of broke Nacho Supreme because I really felt like there was a safety issue. And that was, I found out that my 15-year-old stepdaughter was on Tinder and was talking to grown men. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of saw things as kind of looking up. My stepdaughter um, actually responded to some text messages from me. My, my husband's mother just recently passed away. And so I reached out to my stepdaughter and said, hey, I'm going to be down at your grandmother's house cleaning it out. Is there anything in particular that, of hers that you want to keep? And, you know, because I, I really feel like that that's the right thing to do. That's that's the decent thing to do. I wanted to make sure that whatever she wanted of her grandmother's, you know, that I would earmark that for her. And she responded. And I, you know, we kind of went back and forth about music for a little bit. And I felt really encouraged by that. And she was responding to my husband. Well, when I found out she was on Tinder, and my husband never even brought up how, how we found out, but I sent him the screenshots. And I said, babe, you can't, you can't overlook it. You can't overlook this. You can't gloss this over this this is scary. You, you know, here it is. And so, you know, unfortunately, because of the distance and, you know, the fact that my stepdaughter hasn't been to our home in nine months, you know, he sent those, those screenshots to his ex-wife and said, Hey, look, look at this. And, you know, not only did her mother make excuses for her being on tender, Oh, it's just a joke. You know, it's a prank. Um, you know, I'm not worried about it. You know, I, I do look at her phone and, and all this that other stuff. But my stepdaughter immediately began texting my husband, I'm going to ruin your life. I can ruin your life. And you don't even understand what you've just done. And, you know, I told my husband, especially him being a police officer, babe, this isn't good. Like, you know, false accusations can, can, she's right. She can ruin our lives. 
So right. you know what? I, I hate to say it, but until she calms down or whatever has to happen in her heart, you may have to just let her go because, you know, you were, and she even told my husband that it was none of his business. He had absolutely no right to, to do that. Um, somehow I got lumped into it. You know, it was none of, you know, it was none of Lauren's business. She had no, she had no idea how, you know, my husband found this out. I guess she assumed, which is a pretty good assumption. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, he, I mean, he, this, this, this is parenting 101, keeping your children safe. And she was furious with him for, for, you know, stepping in on her fun because her mother is her friend and not her mother. And, you know, that never became more apparent than, you know, when we present, you know, her mother with screenshots of her, you know, conversating with a 24-year-old man, um, you know, and they're talking and, you know, he's asking her, how old are you? And she's not telling him, you know, he's saying, I don't think you're really 19. How old are you? And she's deflecting and, you know, she's, she's writing it off. She's not concerned about this at all. And, um, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably going off on a, on a rabbit trail here and kind of losing my train of thought, but that just, he knows, especially once she threw out that I could ruin your life. You know, she really doesn't have anything, which tells me she's going to make something up. And that's scary. And you, you have, you have to protect yourself and you have to protect your family from something like that. And Tinder is just purely a dating app, right? Yes. Yes. And, and I'm sure, you know, which by the way, if you're under 18, you're not supposed to be on that, that, app at all but it's it's kind of known as the hookup you know it's it's, it's the hookup app but um you know she had no business being on there and um you know yikes you, we knew she was talking to older men um you know because she was sloppy enough to post screenshots on her instagram and uh you know just it's scary you know for for everything that's happened we still don't want anything bad to happen to her and and we want to protect her as much as, as we can, but, but what can you do? What can you do? I mean, you know, my husband did the only thing that he really could do. Um, and which, which was, you know, try to appeal to her mother, you know, there, there are other legal, you know, routes that you can take. And, and, you know, we talk to, you talk about this to clients all day long, but to what end, you know, you can, you can petition the court and, you know, notify CPS that, you know, Hey, but then, you know, We've already been warned, I'm going to ruin your life if you don't back off, you know? Right. So, you know, to what end? To what end? And, uh, you know, that's kind of, I think that, that, you know, where he is right now, he loves his daughter and it makes him sick it's gotten to this point. And I think if he was being honest, you know, he would understand that, you know, this has all been a series of choices that has led us to this point. Um, and and I, I have no doubt in my mind that if he could go back in time when she wanted to move two hours away, he would have told her no. Your dating life is absolutely of no consequence to me. I couldn't care less. I, I'm interested in preserving my relationship with my children. Right. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's probably what should have happened. But Nacho. <laughs> well, he probably thought he was preserving the relationship by letting her go. Well, you know, like I said, there were some, some, some kind of financial considerations, you know, in the divorce. You know, he told her, you can either have half of my retirement at the house. You know, which one do you want? She said, I'll take the house. And. So, you know, it was still in his name and it was financed in his name and she couldn't get financing on the house. So basically she got wanting to say four or five months behind on the mortgage and they were about to foreclose. So she basically said, if you let me move, I'll give you the house back. And so to avoid a foreclosure, you know, on his credit, he said, okay. 
and, you know, was able to get the mortgage caught up. And then we moved into that house, which is bad juju. I don't recommend <laughs> it at all. Don't move into the home that, you know, your spouse shared with, with their spouse. Um, but, you know, there we are. You know, he, he, he made what he felt was the right decision at the time. And, um, you know, unfortunately, it just kind of, you know, trickled down and just led us to where we are now. Hmm. Yeah. Lori lives with me in the mm-hmm. house that... No, I don't, David. Quit telling us. <gasps> <laughs> in the house that, that I previously built. And so I know that when we first got together, she struggled with that a lot for a very long time. I didn't look at it the same way she did. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, anytime she wanted to paint something different or do something different to the house, you know, I, I tried to let her do as much as, as possible. But it took years before she finally felt like you know, this was her house. You know, and I, I really struggled with that at the beginning because I felt like it was their life and I just kind of moved into it because this was, you know, their childhood home. This was the home that they, you know, that their parents shared. And, you know, there was, I think, you know, my stepson probably struggled with it more than my stepdaughter did, you know, because I came in and I went, okay, we need color up in this house. You know, <laughs> there, I, 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 I tried to make it my own as much as I could. And, and my stepson, you know, really kind of didn't like it at first. Then he kind of warmed up to it. Um, but yeah, good for you. If, if you let her, you know, carte blanche, you know, let her, let her come in and, you know, it, it does a lot for our mental health because it's already hard enough coming into, especially if you don't have your own children, you mm-hmm. feel like you're just kind of the outsider that you're, you're just being allowed to live in this home and to be part of this family by marriage, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, that, that does a lot for, I think, a woman's mental well-being is to be able to come in and, and kind of, you know, make it a little more personal. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to say she's not crazy, but. Um, mm. <laughs> Especially she, if she fills your garage up with all those milk crates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do remember one of the kids fussing about, uh, you know, all of her furniture is brown. So she's got, um, what would you call it? Like the older eclectic. Uh, style furniture, wood furniture. And so, you know, everything's brown. Leather couch is brown. And so one of the kids was like, everything she does is brown. The whole house is turning brown. <laughs> <laughs> I like my browns. Hey, I do too. But, you know, I mean, this this was, you know, God bless my husband. I, I live in a, in a little cabin in the woods. And, um, I, you know, I may live in Texas, but I'm a bit of a princess. So this is definitely not a house that I would have chosen for myself. I didn't mean so, to you know, laugh. Very much, what's that? I didn't mean to laugh. Hey, laugh all day. Okay. Cause if, if I don't laugh, princess I cry. In Texas. And I, yeah. I, I, if, if I don't laugh, I cry and, and I just don't want to go there, but you know, it's, it's, you know, wood house and, you know, wood walls and I'm, nope, I need color. I need, I need personality. This, for me to feel like I'm at home, I need, you know, sparkle or something. I don't know. Just, you know, but a log cabin, you know, I, I told a girlfriend of mine one time, you know, that, that we live in a log cabin. She went way, 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 way. What? Like they couldn't believe that Lauren moved into a log cabin, but <laughs> <sighs> here we go. You know, hopefully that'll change soon. I get it. David and his parents and his sister all live like on this plat of land. We can't see them, but they're not far. I really don't like the town, but if I had to live in this town, I kind of like where we are because we're off the road. You can't see the road from our house, kind of surrounded by trees. But um, 
once David's mom and daddy die, we moving. Don't tell nobody. <laughs> you know, and, and my husband and I have had that talk. Um, you know, we're, the, the town that we live in, um, you know, really there's nothing holding us here. I think that he doesn't want to leave because he feels like if we move off, that's going to be the final straw that, you know, or, or, you know, the final nail in the coffin with his daughter. Because, you know, right now we're two hours away. And if we move any further, then that's, you know, then he's really not going to see her. And, and I get that and I understand that. But, you know, it, the practical part of me has a hard time with it because my career, you know, is basically on hold, you know, and, and you know, family law definitely has its perks. It keeps me entertained. I pop me a big old bowl of popcorn every day and go, okay, you know, what kind of show are we going to have, you know, today? What's, you know, what's going on before I even check our voicemail? Um, Cause boy, people like to snitch on each other, mm-hmm. but um, you know, but, but this, this is, it's kind of like my second career. And so I kind of had to start over. So family law is something that's, that's pretty new for me. Um, but if we were allowed to go somewhere else, you know, I could resume my previous career and, 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 you know, things would be better, but I understand my husband's emotional tie to, you know, I don't want to move farther away. And he's never verbalized that, but I know how he is and I know his heart. And he would never want to move further because he would feel like that would be it. Like his daughter really never will talk to him again because she's going to, I mean, it's already bad enough that he, you know, remarried and had another child. But, you know, if he moves away, then he's really choosing our family. And I think that that would be too much for her. So I think that we're staying put because of that reason. When you say your previous career, you mean in radio? No. Okay. Well, oh, girl, that was a long time ago. No, I, I actually worked in radio during college because that was my original major was TV radio broadcasting and silly me thought that, you know, you could make a lot of money doing that. Um, but after a couple of years working in radio, I went, you know, I mean, this is fun, but no, there's, there's no money in it. And thank goodness because technology and everything's made it such that, you know, you don't have local DJs, not really anymore. Um, in major markets, you know, you do, but, you know, in, in, in all these lo- local towns, when you had local radio stations, um, you know, you had, you know, DJs or radio personalities. Yeah. Now you got idiots creating Nacho Kids podcast. <laughs> exactly. I yeah. mean, anybody can start a podcast, which I love it, guys. Y'all, y'all do a great job. Thank you. But um, no, I was actually a retail loss prevention manager for 15 years and, um, you know, absolutely loved it, you know, and. Um, you know, I was working for, for Macy's and, uh, our Macy's location bit the dust and, you know, we live in a town of a hundred thousand people. And it was kind of one of those things, like I had a really cherry job. And then when that store closed, it was kind of like, where else can I go? And, uh, so, you know, luckily I found an attorney who was willing, you know, my specialty has always been criminal law, but you know, she's family law and she, she kind of took a chance on me and, um, you know, I'm really good at handling, you know, not only high conflict people, but people who are just kind of in constant stress and they're constantly upset and they're constantly wound up. Um, Cause yeah, we, we deal, we deal with that a lot. We also do a lot of, you know, CPS cases, you know, representing both parents and children that are involved in child protective services cases. So, you know, I mean, it's interesting, but I'm making about half of what I was making before. And, you know, to me, it's kind of, I hope, and I don't think my boss would ever listen, but it's, it's a job, you know, it's not a career. There's no upward mobility. And so I kind of just have to bloom where I'm planted mm-hmm. until, you know, we kind of hit that point of, okay, really, there's nothing left here for us. You know, this is never going to get any better, you know, or she turns 18 and, you know, she's going to do what she's going to do. But, 
you know, right now we're in a holding pattern and, uh, you know, there's nothing for it. Well, that's good that you're not pressuring him to, to make any kind of decision because you realize that there's an issue there. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, as, as, as angry as I get sometimes, um, I'm, I'm pretty rational and, and I understand, um, I don't have to like it. I just have to understand it. And so, you know, I, I am pressuring and he, and I'll full, I'll admit this. I, I, I want out of that house, but you know, I'm, I'm okay with staying here, you know, for however long it takes. Um, you know, even if we have to stay here forever, I mean, I guess that's fine. Um, but you know, that's as long as we can move after preference. that. <laughs> yes. So, you know, and, and my husband, you know, he, like I said, he's a police officer. He's, he's been working for the same city for 22 years. And, you know, you guys, y'all don't like change for change's sake. There usually has to be a really good reason to, to alter your situation. And, you know, that may be what it takes is him to go, you know what, this, this isn't going to get any, there's really no reason for us to stay here. It's, it's time to move on. Now, does he have a 25 or 30 year retirement? Uh, 25. They can, or maybe, you know, I think they can actually technically retire at 23. Um, but, you know, he's, he's kind of self-imposed this pressure on himself that he's got a toddler and, you know, he can't retire yet. So, you know, well, yeah. forget the toddler. I don't want him under my feet all the time. So, you know, he's, he's going to need to continue working until, you know, I, I'm ready for him to quit working. So, yeah. If he retires now, he'll just have to go back and be a bailiff or something. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's so funny because my dad was a police officer and, you know, my dad was a police officer for 45 years. And he retired at 65 and my husband just kind of shudders. He's like, I just, I can't, <laughs> I can't even imagine doing this for another 20 years. I can't. Well, I'll respect whatever you decide. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a much different time than it used to be. I, I did that line of work for right at 10 years. So. Oh yeah. Can, yeah. So they don't have live PD in your town. <laughs> <sighs> no. I mean, you know what? There wouldn't be enough. Um, to, to cover in live PD in, in our little town. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty boring. It really, it really kind of is. Um, you know, I joke around with my husband, you know, I, I, where, where I've been trying to get my husband, I'm like, let's move to the mountains. I just don't want to be hot anymore. Okay. I just, I may be Mexican, but I can't sweat. Okay. I just, <laughs> I, can't. I don't, I don't like the heat. So I've been trying, let's, let's move to the mountains. And there's one particular town in New Mexico that I'm very fond of. And let's move up here. You know, you would, you know, you get to wear jeans. You don't have to wear a bulletproof vest. You know, you just drive a truck up and down the drag. And he's like, <laughs> I'd be bored. And I go, you don't do anything anyway. Like, you know, your goal is where, where can you park up, you know, and talk to your buddy. And I'm, 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 I'm totally messing with him. He's, he's a very hard worker, but you know, the, the longer you do it, the, the more tired you get of it. And you kind of, you know, the ones that, that run screaming to calls are usually the kind of the, the rookies and the young guys who are mm-hmm. super pumped up. You know what I'm talking about, David? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, he's, he's, he's kind of at that point where he loves what he does, but he's, he's just really tired of it. So kind of like Mayberry. I don't know if I go to the in New Mexico mountains where they have all the UFO adoptions and, and killing cattle, crazy mess and stuff. <laughs> so, so true story. We actually did go to Roswell. We traveled through Roswell coming back on vacation. And that's just, that's just a really weird town. <laughs> um, but no, in, in, in northern New Mexico, you know, that's where you have the mountains. Because, it's you know, it's the same mountain range as, you know, southern Colorado. So, um, you know, it's beautiful. And, you know, my gosh, it doesn't get above 80 in the summers. And, you oh, know, wow. in East Texas, 
you know, it's 90 before nine o'clock in the morning, you know, in the summers. And I just, I can't deal. So in the bugs, my, my goodness, you know, log cabin, you know, we, we attract bugs and scorpions and snakes and (laughs) I just, you know, I'm okay with bears. I'm not okay with scorpions. So yeah, Lori and I have a scorpion story. Um, was it our honeymoon? I think we were on. I think it was. I think we were on our honeymoon, and we had stopped at a Krispy Kreme and and got a, a dozen donuts, and we, we probably st- got two dozen to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah, and we stayed. It might have been in a log cabin. We stayed in, but we it was. It was in Pigeon Forge or somewhere. Yeah, so we're in Tennessee, and mm-hmm. so the next morning we get up, and I open up the the box of donuts, and there's a scorpion in the box of donuts. Shut the front door. Yeah. No, 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 no. And we're like, is that a scorpion? And, you know, so we're like, I've never seen a scorpion. I didn't know they had them in the mountains. And we got out, like, the welcome book, and there's a big old picture of a scorpion, and it tells you Uh -uh. that, you know, they do have them there. But I've been going to Tennessee for years. I never knew they had scorpions up there. And and we can usually tell kind of what kind of summer we're going to have based on the scorpions. And so this summer we've only seen two. So that's actually kind of a light summer for us. Um, But, you know – Oh, oh, I've I've been stung by a scorpion before, and I don't recommend it. So, you know, if if you don't like scorpions, this one probably wasn't but an inch. I mean, yeah, they, they weren't big at all. Uh, it's probably the little wood, like the little wood bark scorpions. Um, but I mean, no. they they it it it's not fun to be stung by one. But they're not like the seriously venomous ones that you would get in Arizona or you know something like that. Um, you know, it's 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 a lot like being stung by by a wasp with steroids. <laughs> but uh, you know, when you live in a brown, yeah, when you live in a brown house, you brown can't house. see them, and you know it's. Ugh, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> I'm just PTSD. I don't want to talk about scorpions anymore. I'm over here wiping off imaginary scorpions off my arms. <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah, no, over here you don't have to worry about scorpions. You just have to worry about uh, rattlesnakes and copperheads and <laughs> all kind of. Crazy. Yeah, we 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 have those too. Yeah. In, in East Texas, we do. Yeah. Yeah. We have the... Uh, we have a buttload of spiders. Yeah. We do have a lot of spiders out here. But we also have a lot of lizards that live out here, and they clean the... They keep the porch clean. <laughs> those, those are good to have. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we've went down a big old rabbit hole here. <laughs> Wait, what's that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. You've listened to Bring our podcast. Around. This is nothing new, people. Nothing new. <laughs> it's, it's expected. It's expected. So what are your plans, do you think, for the next couple of years? Just sit on things and let things see where they go with your stepdaughter and your husband? and um, Just focus on the baby. Well, yeah, you know, and that's, 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 that's kind of where I am. You know, I, I was able to help take care of my mother-in-law for the last couple of months before she passed away. I went down on the weekends. They, she lived about three, three and a half hours away from us. And so every weekend I would drive down there and, you know, help take care of her. And, you know, I kind of shared with her what was happening and what was going on. And at one point, my stepdaughter did come to visit because her, her maternal grandparents lived in the same town that, that my mother-in-law did. And so she did get to see, you know, her grandmother before she passed away. And she was very encouraging to me. She said, Lauren, she knows, you know, she, she's starting to see and she knows. And she said, you just, just reach out to her and tell her that you're always going to be there for her. And, and I did do that, you know, that weekend I did, I picked up my phone and I said, you know, I love you. And no matter what, I'm always going to be here for you. And then I just dropped it. 
you know, I let it go. She didn't respond, but I just, I wanted to make sure she knew that. Um, and hopefully someday, and, and, and I'm not holding my breath, but hopefully someday she's going to realize that, you know, we're not bad people. Um, you know, we're not, you know, just these, you know, super controlling, you know, parents, um, who just, you know, are hell bent on, you know, her not wanting to have fun. Um, but, you know, just basically making sure that they understand that if they ever do want to come back, they're going to be welcomed to come back. Um, and then, you know, whether or not I deviate off of my Nacho Supreme will be, it's going to take me a while of evaluating and kind of waiting and seeing what's going to happen. Um, because if, if I engage, that's, it, you know, once I kind of sink my, my, my fingers into something, I don't really let go very easily. And I know that. So that's why I've really kind of stepped back. So, you know, all I can do is, you know, I, I'm responsible for one little girl and, and that's, you know, really who I'm, I'm pouring, um, I'm pouring my love and my effort into my husband and into my daughter and just making sure that I put out there for both my stepson and my stepdaughter that I love you guys. I will always be here for you whenever you're ready and then just leave it alone. Because if I push it, you know, they're, they're just going to continue to dig in their heels. And I think that's also the way that my husband's kind of looking at it right now. And, and he knows that they're being told, you know, your dad's not talking to you because he doesn't care. And it's not because he doesn't care. He's just kind of waiting for things to die down. And, you know, then try again. You know, my husband will probably never stop trying. And, and I don't think that he should. I think that, you know, as parents, you know you don't ever give up on your children um, until a certain point, you know, and, you know, we're talking about, you know, someone who's just absolutely drug addled and you have to let them hit rock bottom before they're going to come back up. You know, there are, there are some people, they don't want to be saved. They don't want your help. You know, they just want you to facilitate making their lives easier. Um, but I, I don't think that that's the situation that we have. I just think that we have, you know, these, these kids that didn't ask to be the product of a divorce, they didn't ask to, um, to have, you know, their dad marry somebody else whose lifestyle was vastly different than, you know, the lifestyle they grew up with. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, someday they'll, you know, they'll reach out, you know, and, um, that's really all we can do. Yeah, that's right. That is all you can do. Yeah. I think when they get older, they'll come around. I mean, they're, they're at age now where they don't have the self awareness and realization about things. And then once that all kind of sinks in, I think, you know, you kind of reflect back on some of the decisions you made and, you know, maybe they'll circle back around and, and try to right some wrongs. Well, you know, and that's, that's what I told my husband, you know, he, he was kind of having a really low point after the, you know, I'm going to ruin your life conversation. And I told him she will come around and I, I promise you she will. And so will, you know, his son. Because, you know, my, my dad was, you know, he had a very, very hard upbringing and he, he grew up during the Great Depression um, and he grew up in a time that, you know, Hispanics were very much looked down upon and, you know, he didn't have loving parents. And so, you know, he was, he was very emotionally and physically abusive to his children. And, you know, it's kind of a long story, but, you know, when I was probably about 20, I stopped talking to my dad and I did not talk to my dad for about nine years. And, you know, I just felt like the Lord was speaking to me that I needed to reconcile that relationship, not for my dad, because I always kind of felt like if I'm going to forgive him, 
you know, that's going to be like, you know, letting him off the hook for, for, you know, how he treated me and my siblings and how, what kind of father he was. Mm-mm. But that it's, forgiveness it's letting was letting yourself for me. off the hook. Yep. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I love my dad in spite of who he was not, you know, he, he, you know, I don't think any of us really deserve love. You know, you, you love, you kind of make the choice to love people. And, you know, I was very fortunate that, you know, I did, I did reconcile with my dad. He was in in bad health and he, he stuck, he, you know, he lived for about another five years, but I had some really good times with him and I got to see the vulnerability because, you know, at the time of his death, you know, of all of his children, there were only two that were speaking to him at the end. And that was my older sister and myself. And, you know, and I told him, these kids are going to realize one day they need their dad. You know, and, and they're they're going they're gonna miss you and they're gonna realize what was I so angry for? You know, this was stupid. You know, why was I mad about that? And I'm like, babe, you just have to hold on for that day. It will happen. I don't know how long it's gonna take. You know, they may be forty before they realize it, but mm-hmm. it'll happen. It'll happen. Yeah. yeah, I mean it takes a while for us to get some sense in our heads. <laughs> Yeah, some some of us a lot longer than others, but um, you know, and I I don't regret it. And my dad, he never apologized for how he was. I just and I didn't need that. I didn't need that apology to forgive him because I just I kind of just made that decision of you know what he, he was just a really broken person, and you know he's my dad. You know, right or wrong, for better or for worse, he's my father. And you know, I, I wanted him there when I was getting married, and you know, and and you know to really kind of you know share you know, some of those times with him before he passed away was, was very, very important to me. Well, I'm curious, one quick question before we let you go. Do um, you plan on contacting your stepdaughter to tell her happy birthday or send her Christmas gifts? Or um, are you completely Nacho Supreme where she just does not hear from you in any way, shape or form unless she reaches out first? Okay, so no, I'm I, I'm I'm still going to be Nacho Supreme, and I'll tell you why. Um, because part of the reason I, I I decided to Nacho Supreme was I was so angry at being taken advantage of. You know, I'm good enough to spend money on you. I'm good enough to take you places. I'm good enough to do all these things for you. But you know, you you don't want me to have any input whatsoever in your life. You know, so I think I was, I kind of was really resenting my place in that aspect because, you know, my love language is gifts. You know, I love to shower people around me with gifts. So, you know, and, and, and they sure loved receiving them, but you know, when it came to like birthday, mother's day, stepmother's day, anything where, where they could call, um, or send a text messages, they didn't. Um, but you know, if I, if I called a teacher to go, Hey, you know, how can I help so-and-so pull their grades up? They would get mad at that. Mm-hmm. But you know, they wanted their presence. You know, what are you getting me? And I went, you know what? That's that that's causing me resentment. If my husband, you know, wants to get them Christmas gifts, birthday gifts, whatever, it's on him. Right. So you know, um, I will always love them, no matter what. But as far as presents and reaching out and things like that, I guess I don't feel that compulsory need because I've already put it out there. I love you guys, and I'm always here for you, whenever you're ready. Um, but I don't want them to think that that's acceptable to not talk to us, you know, 362 days out of the year, you know, but expect, you know, birthday, Christmas, you know, Easter, whatever. And that's really kind of where we were getting towards 
you know, the end, which was, yeah, I'll come for Christmas, but I don't want to be here after that. Or, you know, yeah, I'm not talking to you, but, you know, send, send my Christmas presents with my sister kind of a thing. Right. That's unacceptable. No, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. So if my husband wants to do it, you know, that's fine. But, you know, my role of being the primary Christmas shopper, birthday gift shopper, making those plans, I'm done. I just, I'm, I'm capped out. Oh, I completely understand. Now, let me ask you one thing about the love languages. Sure. So if you're a, um, your love language is gifts, mm-hmm. d- does that mean that it makes you happy to give gifts and also to receive gifts? So it's like your outward or love language is the same okay. as your inner, you follow what I'm saying? So, yeah. And, and I'm wanting to say, I'm wanting to say on your podcast with, with, um, Ron Deal, I think y'all touched on Gary Chapman, who kind of, you know, I guess you could say founded the idea of love languages. But mm-hmm. but the idea behind love languages is, you know, everybody has what speaks to them, the, the greatest, how they receive love. Mm-hmm. And then the whole idea of learning about not only your love languages, but the people that you love, their love language is how can I show my partner and, and make them feel loved? Because my husband's primary love language is physical touch and words of affirmation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to me, you know, you can tell me you love me all day long, but they're words, you know, they don't, they don't, to me, they don't necessarily mean anything because there's nothing behind it. Um, mm-hmm. I can tell you all day long, I love you, but if I don't show you respect, then, then what does that mean? Right. Um, and, you know, I didn't grow up in a, in a, in a, a physically affectionate home. So that's not how I receive love, but that's how my husband does. So, because I know that, I know that, you know, he's not going to really care if I buy him a candy bar on the way home. Hey, I was thinking about you, so I you know, brought you a Heath bar. He wants to be hugged and kissed and told that, he, you know, that he, I love him when I come home. And that's, right. that's what speaks to him. So, but to me, you know, growing up in, in, in a house where, you know, you have parents who don't have time or money for you, how, how you know, my mom kind of showed us love was she'd take us shopping, you know, and, and you know, you're kind of used to hand-me-downs. You felt real special you know, if you got to go clothes shopping and get an out new outfit, cause you didn't, you didn't get new clothes like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's kind of, you know, how I receive love is, you know, Hey, you know, I was thinking about you when I was getting gas. I know this is your favorite candy bar. And then I'm like, wow, because it's not the money that you spend. It's the thought behind it. You know, I was thinking about you. I know that this is your favorite and I wanted to do this to make you happy. Right. Um, so, you know, it's how you receive love and then, you know, what you can do to show people that you love them in a way that speaks to them. Right. Have you ever watched that movie, Fireproof? Yes. Yes. I actually saw that when it came out in the theater. Yeah, David and, and I did um, too. And there's the yeah. book, The Love Dare. And I love dare. just mm-hmm. thought about this when you were mentioning that. One of the things in The Love Dare is to buy somebody like a candy bar, their mm-hmm. favorite candy bar. And... um it's got me wondering if the things that has you do throughout that book cover all five of the love languages, because I think it does. I haven't read the book. I, I have it, um, but I haven't read it. But, you know, I, 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 I would imagine that it does because, you know, you, in order to, to really show people how you love them, you have to meet them on their level. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I do that, you know, in, in various, you know, ministries that I'm involved with. Um, you know, what, what speaks to me is not going to be what speaks to you and what speaks to you is not going to be what speaks to David. So you kind of have to, you know, find out what, what makes that person tick 
and, and, and operate from there. Yeah, I think Deanna Keck, um, we also talked to her about love languages when she was mm-hmm. on the podcast. And then Ron Deal, he actually has a book that he wrote with Gary Chapman about love languages and blended families. And mm-hmm. it's coming out in February. Oh, you know what? And I'd, I'd really love to read that book. And, and you know, I, I, I dove so headfirst into being a, you know, step parent. And then I bought all the books and then you know, and some of them are really great, but like I said, you just, you kind of get to that point of, I can't make this better. It's mm-hmm. out of my control and it's out of my hands and I can read all the books in the world and it's, it's not going to fix it. Right. So, you know, I, I, you know, I, I read the smart step mom, the smart step family. Um, but you know, you, you, you have to have buy-in from, from, you know, I'd, ideally all parties, but you know, um, you know, at least between, you know, your stepchildren and your, and your spouse. But if there are any weak areas, I think, you know, the chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And, um, you know, yeah. I know um, we researched blended families, of course, before we got married. That's why it kind of shocked us when we struggled as much as we did because we felt prepared. But at the same time, the biggest thing that we've learned, of course, is like not showing, letting go of things that you cannot control or have no control over and changing how you let those affect you. Yeah. That's the best advice I could give anybody. Yep. And, you know, and I, 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 I'm luckily I'm in a position where, you know, either I have a girlfriend or a fiance or, or whomever that comes into the office with, you know, their boyfriend, you know, new husband, whatever that they're, they're dealing with a custody issue. And I'll look at them and go, I'm going to tell you what I wish somebody had told me. You need to stay out of it because this, this could go sideways very, very quickly. Because um, you can usually kind of know pretty quickly if, if she is a presence that, that, that's causing or contributing to the problem. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've had more than one boyfriend, husband, fiance look at me with eyes wide and nod. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when, when, you know, and, 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 you know, you'll see these things, you know, on Facebook or wherever, where people will say, you know, when you married him, you married his children too. <laughs> no, oh you did not. No, you did not. Because no. those children are going to grow up and they're going to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can raise kids to, to love you and hopefully they'll come back for Christmas and Thanksgiving, but more likely than not, you know, they're going to have their own families and, you know, they're going to have, you know, other, other, you know, distractions. But, you know, you're stuck with each other and, uh, you know, you need to nurture and foster that, that relationship. So I, I reject that when people say that, no, absolutely not. No, you did not marry his children. You married him, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, everything else has to work from that point, but no, you did not marry his children. That's kind of gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, Lauren, thank you so very much for being a guest on our podcast. We really appreciate it and have enjoyed enjoy speaking it. to you. David, you got something to say? (laughs) Yeah, David, you got something to say? (laughs) This is the only time she's ever asked me if I had anything to say. Usually it's like, just be quiet. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Thanks for being on the podcast. We definitely appreciate it. It's been very interesting. Sure, sure. Well, hopefully I offer some perspective that, you know, if if there are, you know, women or men out there that are kind of flocking themselves, like, would this have been any different? you know, if it wasn't for me and more than likely no. And, and people need to forgive themselves for that and just let that go because they, I, I, for a long time, that's what I did. I went, maybe this is my fault. Maybe, you know, if I had just, you know, left this man alone, 
knew he would still have his children intact. And, you know, it just, sometimes it is what it is. Maybe they didn't see your prince's crown. <laughs> I, you know what? If I could get away with wearing just a big tiara every day, because my boss calls me princess. Um, I would, I would, I would wear princess all, you know, a tiara all day, every day, but you know, that's kind of frowned upon in society. So I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't. Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you when David and I do the intro for this podcast, we are going to introduce mm-hmm. you as princess Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Say bye, David. <laughs> bye, David. <laughs> bye, David. <laughs> <laughs> bye, Lauren. I tell you, my mouth about hit the floor when she said that she has 13 siblings or she's one of 13 kids. Mm-hmm. No, she's one of 14 children. So she got a lot of aunts and uncles that help her out. What? That's her brothers and sisters. Right. Her kids and stepkids have aunts and uncles. Well, considering that the stepkids really don't have a lot to do with them, um, no. Hmm. The hours daughter has a lot of aunts and uncles. Cool. And it's really sad, though, because the hours daughter is almost essentially an only child because the stepkids have nothing to do with her. Yeah, that happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. But could you imagine having 13 brothers and sisters? Mm-mm. Aging from 33 to 66. Wow. You must live in a cold state. <laughs> well, her dad was on his third marriage and her mom was on her second. Okay. Spread the love. Share the love. <laughs> One thing we talk about with Lauren, Princess Lauren, is making the stepkids come for visitation. You know, I, I get torn with this because if the stepkids are, say, 12, and they decide they don't want to go to the other bio parent's house for visitation, what do you do? Do you make them go? Does the other bio parent make them come to their house for visitation? Or do you let the kid decide? We can look at this from different perspectives. If you are the bio parent and you make the child go to the other bio parent's house for their visitation, you could look at it as, well, my kid's going to hate me because I'm making them go to their other parent's house. Okay. Or you could look at it as I'm abiding by the court order. Yeah. Okay. Well, oftentimes they need, they need the difference of the other parent. You know what I'm saying? It's like they need that balance. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I'm the dad and and I'm a disciplinarian and they're coming from fun time mom's house, they, they need that balance. And so they need to go to both places. Right. Now, if the bio dad makes the child come, the child's going to probably be miserable, not be happy. It's going to be a horrible weekend, whatever. But at the same time, if you let the child decide, then guess what? You are letting the child run their life. At 12 years old. At 12 years old. Yeah. And they're always going to pick the path of least resistance. Right. I mean, we all would. Oh, yeah. Do we want a job that we can be laid back and do what we want to do? Or do we want a job that has a drill sergeant as our boss? Exactly. I heard (laughs) y'all. So that can really get into a big mess because the bio parent that wants their child to come see them. They don't want to make them mad by making them come. And it causes resentment. Yeah. I can remember a few times picking up my kids and, you know, one particular one went through this phase where he just didn't want to come over here. I mean, it was like a 30-minute ordeal trying to 
to exchange them in a parking lot. And, you know, I wanted him to come. Honestly, I think his mom wanted him to come because she wanted her free time, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of bio parents that are that way. They're like, I love my kids and all that, but I'm ready for them to go back for a couple of days or whatever the case and might be. And then they miss them while they're going like, I miss my baby. And then five minutes of getting them back and the kids smarting off, they're like, ah. Well, the other part too is sometimes I think they feel that way, not necessarily because of the kid as much as it's the dynamic that's happening in the house. So, you know, I hear oftentimes the step mom's like, I'm stressing out. It's Thursday and I know that the kids are coming Friday for the weekend. Well, sometimes the dad's stressing out too. As much as he wants to see his kids, he knows that the dynamic in the house is going to change for that weekend and you're going to be, you know, all stressed out and he feels that. And so he's torn between, I want to see my kids and, and, and also my significant others, you know, on the crazy fence because of <laughs> the kids are coming over. So it's, uh, it's stressful. And remember too, and I've said this before that, you know, if the stepmom is stressed out, nobody in the house is going to be happy because she's going to make sure that everybody else feels her pain. Yeah. I disagree with that. You disagree with what? That they should do that. Well, I disagree that they should do that too, but, and it's not even intentional. If I'm grumpy, then it's just going to set the tone for everybody else. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm intentionally trying to make everybody else mad. It's just, I'm in a mood and not for melody. And (laughs) that's a song, in case y'all didn't know. But it's not like I would intentionally try to make everybody miserable. It was just I was miserable, and it kind of changed the mood or the tone in the house to Mm -hmm. where the black cloud came. Right. And and that's why one of the big things we teach in the academy is how to refocus and change that mood so that you don't have those results happening. Mm -hmm. And something else that we talked about is how the stepmom feels when the stepkid only has contact with the other bio parent, their significant other, when they want something. They're like, this stepkid is just using my husband to get what they want. Well, yeah, and your husband's probably not as dumb as you think he is, and he realizes that, but it's his kid, and he gets to make that decision. Mm-hmm. I mean... My kids still do that to me to a point. I don't. I wouldn't say they only call me when they want something, but it is more likely than not when I hear from them, it's because they need help with something or they need me to uh, do something for them or whatever. So, yeah. I mean, my kids are, what, 21 and almost 20? Mm-hmm. And 20 and 20? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so all four of mine do the same thing. Right. I typically don't hear from them. Not all the time now, but typically I don't hear from them unless it's something small or sometimes big that they need. Right. They may need, may need help with scheduling something that they've never done or. Right. And, yeah. and I don't, you know, there again, I don't mind doing it and I'm, and I'm going to do it. There you go. And sometimes they tick me off and, you know, two days later they're asking me to do something. And this is where I have to be careful or not really now, but used to, I had to be careful what I share with you. Because if I told you how that made me feel, what they did two days earlier, you get mad with me. And then two days later, I'm over it and I'm, you know, doing something for them. You're like, what the crap are you doing for them? You know, two days ago, they did X, Y, Z. Why are you doing anything for them? Because they're your kids and you get over stuff a whole lot quicker when they're your kids. That's exactly right. So So does that mean you don't tell me stuff anymore? No, no. That's I'm saying that's what it used to be. Okay. And I see that happening to parents that are in that stressful state that we used to be in where they're 
they're very careful about what they tell the significant other because it, on one hand, I want you to know, and I I really kind of want you to be mad at with me. Mm-hmm. But I, then two days later, though, I don't want you to be mad at me because now I'm I've shifted my my feelings, and I want you to shift your feelings with me. And that's hard to do sometimes because mm-hmm. they're not your kids, and you're going to hold that anger longer because it's like, look what you did to my significant other. Mm-hmm. And you, or you're a wimpy, wimpy man because you let your kids treat you that way, and then you go buy them what they want or do what they want for them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's and everybody is very different, and they're individual, and people live inside their head. <sighs> yes, that is true. Something that you always say, and it's true, is you teach people how to react to you. Wait, no, I got that backwards. Yeah, you teach people you teach people how to respond to you or you teach people how to do, uh how to act around you. No, it's you teach people what to say to you based off your reactions kind of thing. Mhm. So if your ex would text you and say, "Where's the kid's shirt?" Well, if you told me that and it fired me all up and the next thing you know an hour later I'm still complaining about that stupid skank and the shirt and da 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 da, then you might not be as apt to tell me next time because you don't want to hear it that long. Yeah, because you're teaching people how to deal with you. Right. Or a lot of times it's if you tell me something like, well, I had to go drop the kids off today at her house because she didn't want to meet me. And then I get all mad and like, why are you always the one having to do this? And Da, 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 and she's taking advantage of you, then you're probably just not going to tell me next time. Mm-hmm. Which, in my opinion, not telling me something is lying. <laughs> no, it's not. It but is. I see how you feel. Yeah. And I understand how you feel. Oh, look, you're learning how to use the stuff that you've been teaching people. <laughs> no, when you and I first got together, one of the big draws for me was how open and, and honest we were in communication. Because it started out that way. It, it it started out that way because I think you and I were using it to build walls. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so we would talk about, you know, things, you know, we're going out on other dates and things like that. It was kind of like your way of telling me you're dating other guys or my way of telling you I was dating other girls to try to keep the other person from getting too close. But at the same time, it gave us the ability to have the open and honest communication about stuff. And that carried on even when we were exclusively dating each other. I felt like I could talk to you about anything. And I felt that way because you didn't react to me in a negative way when I, we talked about things that could have been very negative to deal with. Well, now, David, you did lie to me <laughs> because that chick that you were exercising with, yeah, she was not what you described at all. That was different. Yeah. And, but we, we were open and that. honest. We've talked about that before. We were being honest, but it was the whole... Yeah, but you made it sound like she was some kind of tan Hawaiian chicken. <laughs> she came straight out of the Irish cup of coffee. <laughs> Irish? What is Irish Hawaiian stuff? What is that? Hawaiian. Dark skin, dark hair, you know, Irish, pale skin. Okay, I got you. I'm following you now. No. Yeah. That was an early on way for me to try to make you feel like that I had all these women on my shoulder and that you were not going to put up with somebody like that. I'm telling you, the the very first stages of our relationship were very much you and I both trying to keep each other as far away as we could, but as close as we could at sometimes, you know, it was a back and forth game we played. Yeah. It's funny when you look back on it, but at the time, you know, you and I both were like, 
especially when we felt like, oh my goodness, I really like this person. Then it was like, oh, that scares the crap out of me. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, he's got to go. Yeah. So, uh, so we would do stuff like that. And that's, that was one of those times we're like, oh man, I'm, I really like this girl. Oh crap. Okay. Oh, can't oh, talk to her for a week. Oh crap. I got to do something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, a little back, backstory on David and his lies. But <sighs> it is very important to allow your significant other to talk to you about things or tell you things and you not react emotionally to them. And again, that's something else we teach in the academy is how not to react out of emotion. Yes, it's okay to feel your emotions and to be angry and to be sad and to be all those 100 million emotions you can think of, but it's not okay to start screaming at somebody to the point that they don't even ever want to tell you anything else again. That is absolutely true. Yep. All right, David, I'm done. (laughs) Okay. No hammer drops this time? I don't know. Y'all got spared this week. Ooh, last week was rough. Brutal. (laughs) All right, folks, that is our show for today. We will catch you next week for another fresh episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. But let me tell you, next week's going to be sad. That's all I'm going to say. All right. So if I'm like super happy, I don't want to listen. Well, you say some really stupid stuff during this interview (laughs) that I was so embarrassed. Uh. But it is an interview that I think is very, very important to hear. And the guest, um, I had the opportunity to meet her in Texas, and I just love her dearly. Yep. She didn't talk to me in Texas. No, she might have. I really don't remember. She's the one that told me about those expensive shoes and where to get them. Yeah. Because I had people come up to me and and like, hey, I just want to introduce myself. And at the time, I'm thinking, I know that name, but I don't know how I know that name. So anyway, if I met you in Texas and didn't remember your name, I'm sorry. I do good to remember my own name. <laughs> Who are you, David? I don't know. I did good to come back to the same room each time. <laughs> <laughs> the you talking about the hotel room or the conference room? <laughs> Both. <laughs> All right. Y'all take it easy and don't be sleazy. Oh my gosh. Until next time. Peace out. Girl Scout. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.